0: Welcome to London Riverside Church Podcast. We hope you have a great day. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. Welcome to all those who are watching online. Uh, you're very welcome to be joining with us or catching up or you work a shift on a Sunday and you're able to watch this on Monday. Brilliant. So that was good, wasn't it? Just to hear a little bit, little snippet about what goes on. Let me just, just tell you, what you've heard from the Connect Groups is multiplied loads of times through the different groups in our church, which is so exciting. And it's so good to be a part of this kind of house, isn't it? Or as somebody said here, be a part of this family. And, uh, you know, we are a growing church, so we are intentionally family as well. God has made us family, but we have to intentionally look out for each other. And I'm going to be sharing a little bit about that today. But, you know, part of the excitement of being part of this house is something that we do every year. It's called I Love the House, okay? It's our I Love the House Offering. So, in a couple of weeks, you'll see these envelopes and uh, you'll have the opportunity to prepare for our annual offering. Now, what we do each year, is, and that's, many of you will be familiar with this, but some of you joined us over the last year. We, we, what we do is we plan to sacrificially give once a year, additionally to our regular giving. And uh, what we do by that is really, we call it I love the house because they say, okay, this is where I'm planted, this is where I'm at home, I going to do what I can to extend the work of this house. You know some people they plan every year every two years they're going to get they're going to redecorate. Yeah. Some people plan it's like oh you know I need to get a new sofa. In our own homes we're planning what we need in order to yeah make it how we want it to be. And it's the same for our church friends. So that's why we have I love the house offering the 2nd of October. And I want to encourage you to plan for that. And if we give sacrificially, it means we have to plan for it, because we don't always have that sacrificial things in our pockets, do we? You know, am I being honest enough with you? We don't we're not always ready. Not always. Uh, and so that I'm I'm giving you a heads up on the 2nd of October. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7 puts it like this. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. So let me encourage you. The preparation starts now. What's in your heart? What's God saying? Let's begin to make preparations for the 2nd of October. Now, I love the fact that we were sharing, uh, hearing what the Connect groups were saying. You know, my experience, and I've shared some of this with you before, but my experience of coming to faith was in being amongst Christians. But what I mean is that not a church service as such, but actually being in their home. You see, I I didn't have a Christian upbringing, so... When uh, my mum became a Christian and I started getting taken along to church meetings, I started to hear the message. Uh, but when we moved house and we moved from Essex down to uh, Cornwall and we lived with a family that were in the church while the house sale was all being sorted out. And it, it, during that time, I not only heard the message, but I saw and felt the message. You, have, you and I, I'm sure as I look in this room and I look, and those of you online, you'll know that there's something in your faith that it wasn't just the message that you heard, but there was something that you saw and felt, and it all came together. And that's, it, friends, we are not called to walk alone. We're not called to go out alone. In fact, the Bible describes this in Galatians 6 and verse 10. Therefore, when we have the opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of Faith. I don't know if we can get that scripture up on the slides there. The household of faith. The scripture, the Bible describes us as a household of faith, a family, a place where we have decided together we're following Jesus and we are now part of the household of faith. That's our local church. Now, every family has its traits, doesn't it? Every family has its characteristics, every family has its traditions. We have a tradition in our family, as the children have left home, that when one of the children is still at home, we don't let them know that the other children are about to visit. <laughs> you still with me? So when my son came back from Australia, we didn't tell our youngest that I'd, I'd gone out at 5 in the morning to pick him up from the airport. Uh, when, uh, yesterday, our, our daughter came by, and we didn't, we didn't let anybody know that she was going to drop by. It's, it's, I, I know, you don't sit down and think, how are we going to do this tradition? It just starts to happen. We think, that worked, we'll do that again. Every family has its has its traditions and all these things these values that we have they all add up to the culture that we live out and we live it out and sometimes we begin to live it out and we don't even realize we're living it out and people say oh why didn't you let them know you're coming it's, oh, we don't do that in our house <laughs> we just turn up uh, but whatever it is that is part of our home so this series that we're looking at over the next few weeks is called this is us this is us these are our core values these are the things that we believe that we are empowering, we are generous, we are passionate, we are full of faith. And today I want to look at the fact that we are relational. We are relational. Notice the way I'm describing that. Not uh, we would like to be relational, it's something that we are. It's part of us, it's what we've become. And it's what is something that we want to keep as part of our character and, and, and a value in our house. We journey life together as God's multi-generational intercultural family. I just love the fact that we are multi-generational and intercultural in how we do life together. As somebody once said, there's unity in our diversity. We don't all have to be uniform and be all the same in order to be united in Christ. And he's the common denominator, isn't he? that's That's the starting point, that we are one in him. 1 Peter 2 verse 5 puts it like this, that we are living stones being put together built into a spiritual house where God dwells by His Spirit. Wow. Now, you might have opinions about the different stones that God has chosen, but here's the thing. He gets to choose. You don't. Oh, that was a bit harsh. So you're looking at... Living stones. Living stones that God is piecing together. And so Connect Groups is a great way that we express who we are. It's quite significant in how we facilitate our relationships. Let me just show you the next slide and just remind some of us of the ways in which we seek to facilitate our growth journey as Christians. So we gather as a crowd, like today we, we, uh, we meet in groups where our relationships uh, can grow. And then we also serve in teams because when we're in a team, we get to carry some responsibility. And so that is how we seek to uh, gather as God's people and grow in His grace, But notice this, that it's not simply a program. It's not just simply a ministry. When we say we're relational, it's not like, oh yeah, this is the relational ministry. Now we're going to be relational. No, 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 no. This is something about who we are. This, this is us. This is us. Relational is who we are. That's why after a whole week of prayer and fasting, we eat chips on Friday. If you miss something, get to the next prayer week. We do chips on Friday. So good. You say, oh, why pastor, pastor, is that spiritual? I think so. I don't think, I don't know if you've read the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. have a man called Jesus, the son of God, who spent most of his time eating at people's houses. Not sure if you've read that. It's a very spiritual activity. I'm getting some amens from the front row. It's gradually seeping back as people are feeling more relaxed about our spirituality here. Uh, but, you know, that's why we have the source. Friends, the source is not just, oh, that's a good idea. No, that's intentional. In fact, we've realized we don't, not only don't have enough space in this room, we don't have enough space in that room. Because part of our Sunday is to gather together. Not only to worship our King, to learn from His Word, but to be together, to be relational. So the, the source is on purpose, friends. It's not like, what are we going to do with that space? No, no, no. And somebody said, why didn't you have a bigger meeting room? Well, because we needed that kind of meeting room as well. So we're relational. Now, Mark chapter 3, verse 13. When Jesus called his disciples, it says he went up, uh, verse 13, went up on a mountainside, called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. Verse 14, he appointed 12 that they might be with him. That they might be with him. And then he sent them out to preach and to have authority over demons. He he wanted them to be with him. What was being with Jesus? It was eating with Jesus. It was journeying with Jesus. It was laughing with Jesus. It was even ministering to people with Jesus. It was being with him. You see, people will easily walk away from a program or a service, but you don't so quickly run away from a relationship. People can always find a better church service. Let me tell you, if you're a lead pastor and, you're, and, and you worry yourselves about what everybody else is doing, you won't sleep. People will always walk away from a church service. People will always walk away and find a better program, but you don't walk away so easily from friendships, relationships. When some guys have journeyed life together, when a group has prayed for their parents together, you don't walk away from that. That's not like, oh, I found a better program, or I found some better worship, or I found a better preacher. You hear what I'm saying? It's relational. It's relational. It's what helps us walk the journey. Now, here's a thought, because re- we've just recently been looking into the fact that we could create a, what's known as a warm space over the winter period. So we're looking into that with the council, if we could provide a warm space in our cafe area over the winter months for those that are struggling to heat their homes. And it was very interesting, because on the, uh, the, when Martin received the uh, email and, and the information, it said that we obviously it needs to be warm, it needs to be heated, and you need, what else do you think they want us to have? Coffee. Yes, yeah, some refreshments. Fellowship. Fellowship. They don't call it that in the council, but I know what you mean, Reg. <laughs> they say, we need a warm space and we need Wi-Fi. No kidding. No kidding. Close second to staying warm. Okay, a close second to staying warm. Could you provide a space that has Wi-Fi? You see, our digital technology is, a, is an amazing thing. And I'm, I'm, not, you know, I'm, I'm in no way want to knock that. I enjoy it as well. But it's brought those that are far away closer to us. But sometimes it can make those that are near to us more distant. Yeah? And those of you who know, because we've all got family in other countries, many of us, it's brought us closer. But those that we're actually doing life with, it's actually created a distance that we'll go for a meal and spend the time on our phone, that we'll, we'll spend time. You See, I don't want to knock it. It's easy to knock it. I'm just saying, relational, we have to be careful that we're not simply, as somebody once put it, alone together. You know, we just spend that time. Anyway, we need friends in our lives who we can't just delete, right? We need people in our lives that we don't just simply unfollow. you track tracking with me? As we look in the scripture, God places huge emphasis on us being relational. You see, I think in our lifestyles, the increasing isolation that we experience in the smaller family circles that we have, we crave a witness to our lives. Somebody wants to put it like that. We crave that witness to our lives, that we know that what we're up to is actually being noticed. You see, that's why there's a welcome in the crowd, but, there's a, they, but you are known in a group, When you gather and you journey, you start to get to know a group of people. That's where you are known. And of course, you are needed in teams. So I'd like us to look in the scripture what Paul says uh, regarding these important relationships in our lives. And in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, I'm going to put up on the slides as well for you, in verse 14. He says, I'm writing this not to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children. Even if you had 10,000 teachers in Christ... You do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I've become your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. Verse 17. For this reason, I've sent to you, Timothy, my son, whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. I just want to highlight two simple things uh, this morning. Uh, from this word. The first thing is this, that our relationships nurture discipleship. Our relationships nurture discipleship. We see that in verse 15, Paul says, You have many teachers, but few fathers. You may have 10,000 teachers, but few fathers. You may have so many blog posts and and, and Instagram feeds and, and, and so many opinions coming your way, but you have few fathers. Because there's a difference about someone that wants to give you their opinion and someone that's taken an active interest in your life. Is that right? So our relationships nurture discipleship. The relationships nurture our growth in God, our journey with God. You see, let me just tell you, make this very clear, that no one disciples you from a book. Only Only the living God can do that, okay? No one disciples you from a book, nobody disciples you from their web platform. I dare to say that some amazing preachers who I love also don't disciple you even though they can knock it out of the park every Sunday. They're not discipling your friends because discipleship comes through relationship. Jesus invited them to be with him, okay? To be with him. He didn't call us or his first followers to be his students. But to be his disciples. To be his, not to be his students, but to be his disciples. Sometimes we've relegated discipleship is, I do a course, I'll learn more about the Bible, and I'll be a better disciple. Jesus didn't invite them to come and learn more. He invited them to come and be. You see, a student learns what you know, but a disciple becomes like you are. Okay? A student learns, a disciple Becomes. Becomes. And we are all becoming, that's how cool it, that's that's how God, much God loves us, that He doesn't leave us as we are. He wants us to journey with Him. That takes relationship. Notice in this scripture the language that Paul is using. Verse 14, my dear children. Verse 15, I became your father. Speaking of Timothy, my son whom I love. This is a language of relationship. A language of relation, And we find it in our New Testament as We read through each of the letters the language of relationship. Our relationships nurture discipleship. Now, how do they do that? Well, they do it through role models. There's role models amongst us. And you are, are actually, all of us have the opportunity to role model to others because each of us is ahead of someone else in life. Paul says, therefore, I urge you to imitate me. That's quite a statement. I don't know how recently you've asked somebody to imitate you. So I don't know. I'm not up to that, Pastor. That's that's for the pastor type people that we're supposed to, or even them. I'm not sure. Paul says, "Imitate me." What a statement. if if you're commissioned today to your mandate this week is to allow people to imitate you. See, that's a disciple, that's not a student, that's not someone that's interested in Jesus, that's someone that's following and becoming more like him. Paul is confident with all his failings, and he does admit to them, by the way, with all his failings, he still says to those young Christians, imitate me. Imitate me. You're all looking so humble that that you're not sure if you're allowed to own that statement. Imitate me. So when you, when you go into your place of work, you're a someone that you're someone that others could imitate. And we're not talking about clones here. That would be to, God, God could have done clones if He wanted to. He made us individuals. <laughs> Amen. Happy about that? That's so that we actually have to engage in this, don't we? To, to, to imitate me, imitate me. Role models all around us. Relationships nurture discipleship through integrity. Notice in verse 17 there, he says, I've sent Timothy, the son whom I love to you, who's faithful in the Lord. Now, notice this, he will remind you of what? My way of life. Now, don't miss this. He's going to remind you of my way of life, which agrees with what I teach. That's the definition of integrity right there, isn't it? My way of life agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. Now, so what I do agrees with what I say. And what I say agrees with what I do. Now, I know we haven't arrived, friends, but that's a great way to go. Agreed? That their discipleship is developed in our lives. I walk with Jesus. Understand that it needs relationship to develop that kind of integrity. We're not talking perfection here. We're not talking about calling people out all the time when every time they slip up but what we're saying is there is there is there is a calling on our lives that what we do matches what we sing on sunday and that what we get excited about on sunday is present in our lives on monday you got it thank god it's monday so you see what Paul is doing there. He's saying, listen, I'm going to send something to you. This person is my son. He's become my son in the Lord. He, we, we're like father and son together. He's learned from me. He's been imitating me. And he will remind you. How will he remind you? Because he's now living this way. Right? When Timothy turns up, you're going to think to yourselves, chip off the old block. Do you know that expression? When Timothy turns up, we're going to say, he must have been spending some time with Paul. Because the way of life is going to remind you. When you see him, you'll be reminded of my way of life, which agrees with what I'm teaching, with what I'm saying. Wow. Our relationships nurture discipleship through these role models, through this integrity which it encourages in our lives, and also through vulnerability. Vulnerability in our lives is so important. And this is where it gets a little bit too awkward, because we don't always, we, we don't always like to be vulnerable. But God is gracious and he helps us come alongside people and he helps people come alongside us where that vulnerability can take place. Proverbs 27 puts it like this in verse 6, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Faithful, or another scripture puts it like this, wounds from a friend can be trusted. You say, I don't want any friend wounding me. That's the initial reaction to that scripture, right? Why does my friend have to hurt me? But the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. You see, a good friend will say, hey, you know what? I think you went too far. A good friend will say, hey, you know what, you, 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 you definitely can do better than that. Yeah? A good friend doesn't even have to say, I'm telling you this in love, because you know they already love you. Yeah? Yeah, because I get, I get a little bit nervous when people say, I need to tell you something in love, and I'm thinking, mm, if you've got to tell me... <laughs> now, don't get me wrong, because I'm happy anybody wants to talk to me and correct anything, honestly, but <laughs> if we walk together... A faithful friend. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. They can be trusted because they're bringing us up. They're they're concerned that our way of living is not matching the way of talking. And they're going to say, hey, come on. You can do better. Jesus is in you. Jesus is going to help you. Can we pray about that? Can we make something happen? Can Can I help you with that? Wow. I see why relationships nurture discipleship in our lives. It's very difficult to be a disciple of Jesus Christ on your own, according to the scripture. Now, not only do discipleships, nu- discipleship's nu- uh, sorry, relationships nurture discipleship, but our well being depends on it. Our well being depends on our relationships, our well being depends on being relational. You see, a healthy body heals itself, right? The nurses in this room will tell, will tell you, and explain better than I can, that, you know, if you cut yourself or you're wounded, the body just goes into a special mode where it's going to create a blood clot there, clots there, so the bleeding stops, and then the blood's going to bring the oxygen and the nutrients to that place that needs to be healed. The body does it all, all by itself. A healthy body heals itself. We're the body of Christ. You know, we are here to heal, heal each other, to help one another. That when there's a need, that we know we can get to that need and begin to bring the change. Our well-being depends on our being relational. In 2 Corinthians 1 and verse 3, Paul says these words. He says, God who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. In other words, we've experienced the God of comfort. And so now at the body of Christ, we are going to bring comfort that we have already experienced in God that which we've experienced from God, we are now going to minister and help someone else. In very practical ways, very often. So our well-being depends on it, for our healing, for support. Galatians 6 verse 2, Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you'll fulfill the law of Christ, to love one another. Carry each other's burdens. There's times when I'll need to be strong for you. And there's times when you'll need to be strong for me. Is that right? We rejoice with those who rejoice. We mourn with those who mourn. There are times when we are finding this beyond ourselves, but someone else is going to be strong for us. And I know what you're saying. You say, but Jesus is everything. Jesus can do that. Jesus can be our strength. But Jesus in his wisdom has put us together. So part of the answer to your prayers is the people in your life. Relational. Relational. It's God's way. It's God's way. And we're not talking about perfection here. You know, if you're ever concerned about your perfection and getting it right, just re- read up a guy called Simon Peter or Peter Simon or Simon or Peter in the New Testament. If you're just not sure if, you, if, if it's okay to make a few mistakes. You know what Jesus said in Luke chapter 22? He said to Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat, but I've prayed for you, Simon, that your faith will not fail. And when you've turned back, strengthen your brothers. See, Jesus is basically saying, Simon, you're saying a lot of stuff right now, but you're not going to be able to do it. You're talking a lot, but you're going to struggle in the next period of time. It's not going to work out like you're saying it's going to work out. But when you've turned back, because I'm going to pray for you, you're going to be all right, you're going to make it through, and when you've turned back, strengthen your brothers. Where does that strength come from? The strength comes from having gone through the difficult time with God, right? The strength is not like a special anointing that you can get at the end of the service, friends. The strength to strengthen your brothers comes from journeying the journey and knowing what it is to hold on to him and to see God come through and now go strengthen your brothers. Strengthen your brothers. Let me conclude with this thought. That our well-being depends on those relationships because it's our healing, it's our support, but it's also very true that laughter is good for the soul. Is that right? Laughter is good for the soul. Proverbs 17, verse 22, A cheerful heart is good medicine. A broken spirit saps a person's strength. Laughter is good for the soul, friends. If you're struggling to laugh, here's here's, here's a couple of tips. First of all, if you're not into dad jokes, you know, that's not necessarily going to redeem you. Okay. But, hey, listen. Laughter is good for the soul. One of the things we have to do is to actually not take ourselves too seriously. Now, yeah, I'll, I'll reserve a few things. Maybe I'll... S- no, I won't. But don't take yourself too seriously. You see... Jesus also has a sense of humor, right? You know that, right? Scripture does say that God does laugh in heaven. Actually, he laughs at things you think you shouldn't be laughing at. He laughs at some, some things that are going wrong. No way. God laughs at stuff that goes wrong. Yeah. Laughter's good for the soul. It's good for the soul. It's life to the bones. Yet a broken spirit will sap our strength. I want to encourage us all today. Because really, this is a kind of message where you've just got to get out of here and live this, right? You've just got you to let the week begin. Let's find out how we can grow in this area in our lives. This is us. We are relational. That means that our relationships nurture our discipleship, and our well-being depends on it. And I want to encourage you this week, starting today, to look out. Maybe you need to look out from the group you're already in some of us we've got a circle of friends and it's a good faithful group of friends but you know there might be someone that needs to join your circle of friends you know that will, that what that will require because a lot of people don't realize how cool you guys are a lot of people don't realize how amazing you guys are so you're gonna have to actually look out from your group in order for someone else to join yeah you have to you have to you have to look out for someone that is looking for that connection even in your place of work even in your school or where you're studying. You're gonna, you've, you've got your gang. You've got your people you do life with. But you're going to have to look out and recognize someone who's needing that connection. I love it when you're in his Gospels that Jesus was always noticing the person that everyone else was trying to ignore. <laughs> he even noticed the people that were trying to hide. Look out in order to be relational. Maybe, Maybe you can... Grab a drink in the sauce after today. Oh, this is not promotion for selling drinks at the sauce. You can get free water, <laughs> okay? Although the, the flat white is very good coffee. Maybe you need to, say, maybe, maybe you need to find someone and say, hey, we don't know each other very well, but let's, let's have a chat. Let's talk. Let's have a coffee together. Maybe you need to join a connect group. Maybe you need to start a connect group. That would be good. We need some more groups. So if you've got it like, oh, I'm not sure if I can lead that pastor. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Maybe you can start a group. We'll help you to do that. Now, when Jesus walked this earth, he was incredibly relational. So much so that he offended the religious authorities. Now They had a label for him. Now, we, we say it as a, as a badge to say, hey, that's awesome. But actually, at the time, they called him a friend of sinners. In other words, a friend of those that weren't doing what the religious people wanted them to do. And he was a friend of the people that were getting it wrong. And he would have meals with them, he'd go to their parties, he'd spend time with them. And actually he got a bad name for himself, but we now know it to be an awesome title. Friend of sinners, friend of those that are being ignored by everyone else. Friend of those that haven't been accepted, friend of those that have been outcast. That's our Jesus. That's the one who's called us to follow. And I want to encourage you, if you're here today, I'm going to pray a very simple prayer. And then I'm going to pray for all of us in a moment. But I'm going to pray a very simple prayer if you want to decide to follow that Jesus. If you've heard how I'm talking about the Christian faith, it's really a relational thing. And it starts with that relationship with Him. So I'm going to pray and I encourage you to bow your heads if you can or just focus your attention for a moment. I'm going to pray a very simple prayer. And if that's your decision today, I want to follow Jesus. I want to get into this life of following Him. I want to know that He's forgiven me I want to know that I've got a life that he's leading me and I encourage you to pray this prayer with me Father God thank you for your love thank you for Jesus thank you that he was a friend of all it's my desire to follow him today thank you for the cross thank you that you took my place took my punishment for things that I've done wrong. I ask you now to lead me. Fill me with your spirit. Guide me, I ask, in Jesus' name. And just while our heads are bowed for a moment, if that's been your prayer, I encourage you just to raise your hand, let me know, and we'll we'll make sure that you take one of those gospels home with you today. If that's been your prayer, just let me know. That's great. Wonderful. I wonder if we can stand together then. Before we close, we're going to sing a song of worship. But I'd like to pray over us as a a family of London Riverside Church. So many good things happening. But always that challenge to our hearts that we are relational. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you are a relational God. Thank you, Lord, that you've invaded our lives. That we come to know you both as our king. And as our friend, we thank you for your grace in our lives. And Lord, we invite you now into our relationships, into our groups, into our, uh, uh, amongst our work colleagues, wherever we find ourselves interacting with others. And we ask now, Lord, that we might be able to say, imitate me. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Imitate me as I follow Jesus. Oh, Father, we ask that there be a grace in our lives now. Lord, to look out and see the need of others that are maybe nervous to connect. Lord God, I pray you'll give us creativity and wise ways in which we can be relational and point to you this week. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's worship him together this morning. That's all from us here on our LRC podcast. If there's anything else you would like some more clarification on, or you would like to take the next steps in your journey, then why not head over to our Next Steps page at londonriversidechurch.com forward slash next steps. That's all from us here today, and we hope you have an amazing week.